I'm Doug Bobst, personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage Podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please, sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and today's episode is with somebody very, very special. Her name is Autumn Calabrese. Autumn is a nutrition and fitness expert, a best-selling author, and many of you know her from Beachbody as she revolutionized um, not only the beach body world, but the, the fitness community as well. She's a single mom whose works her ass off to, um, you know, develop a relationship with her son, Dominic. She's created programs, including the 21 day fix, 21 day fix, extreme, uh, 80 day obsession, country heat, and many more. And her, her programs kill it on beach body demand. And I am just super excited for you guys to hear her story of how she got there. So autumn, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be on. Yeah, so I know we many of us here kind of see you and they see like you at the top, right, of the, of the pinnacle of the fitness industry. And we all know that it's not necessarily the truth because, you know, it's not exactly like just one day you just decided that you were going to like do everything you're doing now and you were placed there. So take us a little bit back into your childhood. I knew you grew up in Cleveland. What was that like, you know, and what inspired you to become a trainer? Was it your passion for dance? Like, what was it that like really like got you going in fitness? Oh, gosh. I mean, yeah, I, I did. I grew up in, in the suburbs of Cleveland, Ohio. I come from a huge Italian family. Um, life has definitely had a shit ton of downs before it had any ups. Um, everything started from when I was five years old and woke up one day and couldn't walk, like fell out of bed in excruciating pain and ended up in the hospital with, for two weeks with like a million different tests run on me. At one point, the doctor thinking maybe I had like flesh eating bacteria on the inside of my body. They didn't know if I was ever going to walk again. Um, never, ever found out what was wrong with me. My hip just got better. And so even from a really young age, um, my parents kind of held me back a little bit in terms of extracurricular activities. So I wanted to dance. I wanted to do gymnastics. I, I mean, I was a kid that like you couldn't slow me down until I passed out at night. And so um, even from a really young age, like I said, it was I was always a little behind the eight ball. I didn't start dancing until I was in eighth grade. Most wow. girls dancing when they're three or four years old. I was 13. So I was stepping into class with girls that had 10 years of experience on me. Um, but for me, yeah, dance, is, dance has always been a massive inspiration in my life, something I absolutely love. And I do think that's where my passion for training started. I would have never recognized it at 13 years old. I just wanted to dance. Um, but as I went through life and college and more ups and downs and more injuries and things like that and tried a desk job and literally would rather do anything else in life, um, I, I made my way towards personal training. But, but even the way I train has a huge inspiration from how I was trained as a dancer young and in college. So the things I do and the things I don't do all stem from, from my past experiences um, with dance. 
Yeah. And it's really cool to watch like some of your workout programs and see how, you know, choreographed everything is and how like into it you get. It's really cool because there's so many people that get inspired by that. They're just the people who are staying at home who aren't motivated to go to the gym. It's amazing how you've created something from your, really the stem from your childhood into now where people who are just watching you kind of get your groove on during your workouts that relate to that. And I know as trainers, we're givers, right? And we're, we're helpers. And I've heard you say, and I agree that like, sometimes we're like 90% therapist, 10% trainer with our clients. Like, do you think, I know your, your, um, your mom kind of, you know, left when you were young, right? And I've heard you talk about that. And I've also know you had some struggles with, um, was it, I think it was a dance instructor, I believe when you were in college. Do you think having those kind of hardships when you were young has impacted your ability to be empathetic and understanding for like clients and people you've trained through the years? Yeah. I, listen, people say all the time that like, don't let your past define you. And it's crap. Your past does define you, but you choose how it defines you, right? Like, so you can let your experiences define you in a negative way, or you can let it define you into the person that you become, but you can't say that the past doesn't impact who you are in the future because it does. So yes, there's a lot of life experiences, everything from being that person that was behind the eight ball and being frustrated by that constantly when I stepped into class to having these really positive role models in my dance teachers growing up only to get to college and experience the exact opposite. Um, you know, the ballet master at college who was also in charge of the dance program beat my self-worth out of me, beat my self-confidence out of me. I mean, I left Webster University emotionally beaten and broken down. Like there was nothing left in me. There was no part of me that believed in myself, believed I could dance believed I was capable, I really had to take all of that and say, either it's going to define me and I'm never going to dance again and it's going to define me and that, that I'm going to let it impact me in that negative way and say like, okay, I was never good enough or I'm going to let it fuel the fire inside of me. I'm a feisty Italian. I, I can see <laughs> that. My fire, you know, like like there will be anger, and there it doesn't mean that I don't have those feelings. It doesn't mean that I don't think I don't have those moments where I have self doubt. It just means when that self doubt creeps in, I almost get mad at myself for having it or letting somebody else impact me that way. And so yes, I flipped the script, and I'm like, no screw that. Like, yes, you can, you're going to go do this. Like that person doesn't get to tell you who you can and who you can't be. Um, and so it does like everything from, from that and my hardships with my mom and my, um, you know, the, the ups and the downs with my dad, everything, my divorce, like all of it impacts how I approach things with people. I'm not saying anything is easy. I'm just saying that if you want it bad enough, it can be done. And, and my goal is to get people out of the victim mentality and show them that you have the power to take control of your circumstances. It's just oh. about the mindset. Yeah. I, I love that. And I love what you said about your past. I mean, you know, I don't know if you know anything about my background, but like fitness saved my life when I was incarcerated on felony drug charges. And then, and up until the time I was um, incarcerated, I was like the biggest victim ever. I was blaming my parents for their divorce. I was blaming people who bullied me in school. And my cellmate 
was like, you can either be a man or you can be a bitch. Like he literally looked at me and was like, you can go be a bitch and cry in the corner. You can be a man and own your problems. And that was back in 2000, 2008. And it just completely shifted the mindset of me to be able to gain control and let my past fuel me instead of draining me. And I think it's amazing how you've taken your past of people who have attacked your self-worth, who have brought your self-confidence down, and now you're helping empower millions of people to improve their self-confidence and self-worth. Now, I know I'm sure like many people here are, they probably think that you were just kind of discovered by Beachbody randomly. I know it's not, that's not the case. I know you busted your ass for years to create the changer plate and you were working at Equinox and you just had this vision of trying to change the way we saw nutrition. So like, what's, what's the story um, and how you got discovered by Beachbody? Because I know it wasn't an easy process. Like walk me through the journey. Yeah, I mean, people really think, you know, it's easy to look at somebody when they're at the top and think, oh my gosh, like they just woke up one day and had the number one selling program on Beachbody. <laughs> right, so, right, right. You know, it's 15 years of work in the making that got me there. It was a lot of doors slammed in my face. It was working 14 and 15 hours a day, not only at Equinox, but also seeing my private clients. So it was like, up and out of the house at 4 a.m. to see my first client by 5 a.m., um, squeezing time in with my newborn child in between, working at Equinox till seven or eight o'clock at night. Um, I just so happened to be have this idea for portion control. I had been working with a client that was really struggling. She would bust her butt in the gym four days a week, five days a week with me, and then train also on, like, on her off days. And she could never quite get past the lose five pounds, gain five pounds. It was always that fluctuation. And her and I became very good friends. We're still friends to this day. And we were at lunch one day after a training session. We had both ordered these really big salads and she ate the whole thing. I ate a part of it. And I looked at her and I was like, that's the problem right there. And she's like, what? I ate a salad. And it wasn't just a salad. It was four salads in one. I mean, it was literally like a trough of salad. It had pasta, it had croutons, it had feta cheese, it had broccoli, it had chicken, it had enough salad dressing to cover all of it. So that's when I actually started working on the idea for change my plate uh, and portion control. I was like, this is, this is really one of the biggest problems people struggle with is we're overeating. You, you go out to eat, they put this big plate of food down in front of you. We've lost our ability to tap into the mechanism of, hey, I'm full, I stop eating now. We eat for pleasure, we don't eat for fuel. And so I started developing that. While I was developing it, I had a lot of clients in the, in the movie industry at the time. Um, I had one client that uh, does a lot of sound editing. They were friends with somebody from Sony. As I was developing Change My Plate, my girlfriend, the one who ate the salad, Actually, one of her good friends came to me and she was a producer on Home and Family. And she said, what's that nutrition thing that you're working on? Is it done yet? And I said, it's not done yet. I'm getting there. And she's like, if you can get it done by this date, um, I'll, I'll put you on the show to launch it. It was, I had maybe five weeks and I was nowhere near there. I called in every favor of every person I had ever known to get that product finished in four weeks to get on Home and Family and launch it. And uh, literally probably finished two days before going on the show. Um, took one of the prototypes over to my client that was the sound editing client, showed it to them just as like, 
I had been training them for years, like, look, you guys, it's finally done. And they said, can we keep it? And I was like, yeah, of course. And they showed it to their friend who had worked for Sony. Um, I guess he's a gentleman who needed to lose weight and they were gently trying to nudge him to lose weight. And he wasn't really interested in it at all for himself, but he looked at it and he said, I think I know somebody that might be interested in that. Can I pass it on? So my client calls me and says, hey, we have a friend, they want to pass it on. And I said, who do they want to pass it on to? And she goes, I don't know, somebody beach body? <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, yes, pass it on. Like pass it on right now. So they did, he passed it on to um, his friend at Beachbody who happened to be the head of product development. Uh, she really liked what she saw. She took it then to the Beachbody attorney because it, it, he usually is the next step before you make it in to see the CEO. And the attorney didn't think that my CEO would go for it. He was like, nah, <laughs> and had a product development was like, no, no, there's something here. So she kind of went around him, went to the CEO and was like, I think we need to see this girl. We need to bring her in. They brought me in, did the interview. Um, I sat at this, what felt like the biggest round table of my life with uh, the CEO of Beachbody, Carl Deichler, yep. the product development at the time, uh, Heather Church and her, her three assistants with my heart pounding through my chest um, because I had had so many opportunities come up and then just barely fall short. So there was this huge part of me that had hope standing in the building of my dreams. And then there was the part of me that was very weary of like, is this really going to happen? And had a good meeting, at least kind of felt like a good meeting. It was a little bit like of a blur. In fact, I remember at one point, like the CEO looking across at me and he asking me, why do you want to sell us your product? And I explained to him that I love fitness, but I hate business. Like I really hate I, the business side of it. I don't want to sit there and deal with customer service and shipping and all of that stuff. And, um, and he said, okay, this is how it works. You know, if we were to buy it from you, it would be this and this, and we would keep you on to create workout programs that go with it. What do you think? And I was like, yeah, great. Left the meeting. And the long and short of it is it was another two and a half months before I actually got the email with the contract offer in it. So it was like day in and day out of checking my email and hoping. And I actually was up for, I had also applied for, um, Women's Health Magazine does this thing like trainer of the year. And I had applied for it and I was a finalist and they were getting ready to fly me and the other finalists to New York. So I had to make a decision of, was I going to New York to compete or was Beachbody going to sign me? But Beachbody hadn't said anything yet. I sent one more final email of like a, Hey, just wanted to check in. Cause it was a, it was a, maybe a Thursday I sent the email and I knew I had to make my decision on Monday, Friday night at like 11 o'clock at night, I got the email from the attorney. So um, that was it. I got the email. I signed on the dotted line and we went into full development on 21 day fix. That's crazy. And it's like, it's such a simple, it's like, I, I know there's a lot of people, especially us trainers who are like, not, I don't want to say envious, but like, dang, why didn't I think of that? Like, it's so simple. You know what I mean? Cause it's like the biggest problem I have with my clients is I'm sure you have with yours is all right, do I at how do I track my food and my fitness pal? Do I keep a food journal? You got people who are like 60 years old who can barely text on a phone who are like, how do I use this app? And then you come out with this, this container program where you just have to simply put food in the containers without weighing it out. And it's freaking genius. And it's like, God, it's so simple, but so smart. And how you've taken that now and like literally like revolutionized like the industry, because as a trainer, even like my clients who aren't 
involved with Beachbody have seen the program, have shown, uh, you know, know somebody who's used it, that sort of thing. And just seeing the process that it took, that it wasn't just like, a, hmm, I have an idea. I'm in a meeting with Carl Dykor next week. It's like, no, I have a meeting. I work my ass off for years. I wait months after I even get the meeting. And then you find out. So I want to switch gears a little bit. I know like people, again, they're probably seeing um, you now and they're like, wow, Autumn Calabrese, she's this you know, super fit trainer. She's like, you know, one of the most highly sought after um, people in the fitness space. She's, you know, a great mom, all this and that, and thinks that you have, you still today, like don't have any struggles. So like, what would be something like t today or not th today, but like recently that you kind of struggled with and how you handled it and what types of things have gotten you through? Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm still coming off of a three-year struggle right now. Like, first of all, nobody's life is perfect. I try really hard to make sure when I'm on social media that I don't just show the highlight reel because I actually think that can get really discouraging after a while. Like nobody wants to just look and see like everybody's life is pretty imperfect. Right, right, right. But three years ago, it's been about three years, maybe a little bit longer. Um, my body started changing in a way that I wasn't like, I didn't know what was going on. Um, I was losing weight really quickly and I didn't have a reason why I wasn't trying to lose weight. I don't need to lose weight. I'm already small. So, you know, while most people are probably like, Oh, boo hoo you, <laughs> but I didn't look healthy. Like I started to look sick. Um, and I was, um, I just didn't know what was wrong with me. In addition to losing weight, my anxiety was skyrocketing out of control. Um, I was sliding into a depression with no reason why I was at the height of my career, like seriously height of career. Like we were going in, we were starting development on country heat and I kept being frustrated. I was like, I'm not building muscle the way I used to. I can't keep weight on despite like I was eating like donuts to try to keep weight on and cookies. Like I was like, I'm just losing weight. I don't look good. I don't feel good. Like something's not right. It was like an elephant was sitting on my chest and probably for a year and a half, I saw doctor after doctor, specialist after specialist. And they all kept telling me the same thing. You're the healthiest person I've ever seen. Nothing is wrong with you. Maybe you need to see another kind of doctor. Basically, they were telling me it was all in my head. Thank, you know, being in the fitness industry, when you spend as much time as I have in my life focused on my body, um, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, like, just I'm, I'm in touch with my body. I'm in tune with it. You have to be, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I knew I wasn't crazy. I knew it wasn't in my head. I knew what I was feeling and experiencing and that something wasn't right. And so I kept pushing for answers, kept pushing for answers. And I was getting really discouraged. Like, like I said, it was a year and a half in almost two years. And I was like, maybe this is just part of getting older. Like I'm 35, 36. Maybe this is just what happens. All of a sudden, I'm not going to have muscle definition like I used to. And, but I never was quite willing to just give into that. So I would just keep looking and researching and studying. I went on, um, I found a online course, a year long course through the integrative Institute of nutrition to become a health coach. And I saw that they basically taught over a hundred different nutritional theories. And I was like, all right, let me, let me see if I can find anything in here. So I took that course and the more I would listen to the lectures in there and hear about food, because I, you know, I study food a lot, obviously I'm not a nutritionist, but I study it on the regular. Um, the more I kept thinking like something's attached to my food. I don't know what it is, but it's something's attached to my food. And I took one last effort to go see a natural path. 
uh, doctor. She had studied, went to school to be a doctor, just went on to be a naturopath also um, because she didn't really like the fact that medicine in general throws pills at you instead of looking right. for the cause. And she sat with me for two hours. We talked and talked and talked. And she drew, she said, I think I know what's wrong at the end. We're going to run some tests. She drew like nine vials of blood. And sure enough, it came back something so easy. I had food sensitivities. I, uh, I had severe food sensitivities to eggs, nuts, flaxseed, uh, basically every healthy thing that I was eating that you would think would be good for you was causing severe inflammation in my body. It turned into leaky gut and that can lead to a whole host of problems. So I've spent the last three years healing my gut and it's not something that heals overnight. It's not something that is an easy fix. It, it was first discovering that I had the food sensitivities, then really learning more and more every day, studying what does that mean? How do I heal my body from here? Okay, remove those foods. Well, now the, the inflammation causer is out, but now you got to heal the leaky gut, the lining. You got to start putting things back in. The doctor basically told me I was, I was malnourished. So even though I was eating really healthy, because I had all this inflammation, I wasn't absorbing any of the nutrients that I was eating. So I had no B vitamins. I, my adrenals were completely tapped out. My, my vitamin D was gone. Like my um, testosterone had plummeted, which I, we do need it, ladies. Like we yeah, still yeah. need testosterone. Like I was a mess. That's the bottom line. I was a mess. So for three years, that's what I've been working on. And that is a struggle. My body really in the last five months is finally starting to feel like my body again. That's a really hard thing to be in the public eye for your physique and not feel like the best version of yourself. Um, 80 day obsession, you know, one of the biggest programs I've ever launched. And while I'm incredibly proud of the program and the, the training that we did in it, when I watch the program, I'm still frustrated because for how hard I trained, I mean, we filmed that live, like every rep, I'm doing every rep. Like you see me going rep for rep for an hour. I've got 40s and 50s. I'm like, I'm going hard. I am not shredded in that program. I'm, I'm lean, I'm lean. I'm not tight. And, and it pissed me off because it's like you're putting the work in. So why isn't the result there? So it was something that I had to keep reminding myself that it's not just about the way you look. We can really fall into that trap quite easily. And it's not about that. It's about my health. And I just had to keep reminding myself. It's not about that, Autumn. It's about your health. And it's, if it's not about that for you, it's not about that for anybody else doing the program either. The number on the scale, the muscle definition, that will come, but your health has to come first. So I just had to keep putting my health as the number one reason, the health as number one priority. And um, slowly, very slowly, but surely, my body is healing and it's coming back around and that feels really good. But if I would have given up at any point in the process, um, who knows where I, where I would be or how I would be feeling because, like I said, without discovering what the issue was, what the root cause was, I would have never been able to fix it. Dude, you're a freaking go-getter and I love that. I mean, just with everything. And I know I've heard you say that you think of failure as like a redirect and it's not like exactly like how you, the failure itself or whatever, it's how you respond to it. And I got, you hit something on the head that I think a lot of people need to hear because I have a lot of people who follow me who are trainers, who 
are in the health and fitness world whose health sometimes sucks. And they're maybe going through like a deep depression. They're trying to coach somebody in a positive way or they're, their, their nutrition's been off or they've had health scares or whatever that they can't really control at the moment. They can just control how they react and they get down about it because they're like, oh, I'm a trainer, so I got to be fit like 110% of the time. No, BS, right? Like we're going to have times where we're not as fit. I've had, the, I've had issues with my gut too. I remember having to stand in stool samples, the microbiome, do all that stuff that's like, the, like so like I, hope no, I was like, I hope no one sees me doing this as a trainer, right. you know, like being like, am I really doing this? But it helped me, I guess, realize that A, I'm human and B, that like when my, some of my clients who have the same similar issues, I'm able to like coach them through it and things happen for me and not to me. And I think it comes like that having that mindset comes from a lot of like personal growth and going through a lot of adversity because it's generally the people who have been through the most things that like are able to handle things better. So like, what kind of things do you do for like personal development? Are you spiritual? Do you meditate? Are you involved in like networking groups? Like what kind of stuff do you do today for like personal growth? Oh God, I do everything. And it really just depends on where I'm at, like what I'm, what I'm going through. And like you said, by the way, everybody is human, you guys. So like, there's, I don't think there's ever a point in time where anybody isn't going through something. Like there's always going to be the light and the dark, the good and the bad. Like, I don't think anybody ever has a hundred percent perfect life all the time. So if you know that person, I would like to meet them. <laughs> um, but, but I do everything from, you know, reading different books. I, I am, I think I'm more spiritual than I am religious. I was raised Catholic, but I'm more spiritual. Um, I definitely believe that there is a power out there greater than me. I definitely believe that the energy and the vibes that we're putting out is what we're going to attract. So that doesn't mean I don't have my days where I'm putting out a bad, bad energy, but when I am, I know what I'm attracting back with it. So yeah, I, I mean, I love to read different books. Actually, I can't say I read them. I think more often than not, I, I audio book it anymore because if I wait till the end of the day to read, I fall asleep like a page in. So I like to listen while I drive. Um, I'm always taking online courses to keep up and with like the latest studies and research, um, and yeah, the struggles that you go through, if you embrace them, that's really where you learn the most. So yeah, things don't happen to you. They happen for you. Like you said, me having to go through all of these struggles has been able to allow me to share the journey and make it more known to people that it's actually a big issue. So going through IIN was part of my personal development. Um, my workouts, honestly, are part of my self-care personal development like that is my me time that is my time to get my brain right for the day that's why i usually do it first thing in the morning it sets me on the right path uh i have meditated in the past it's not something i do super often i don't have a thing against it it's just um it's not a part of my regular routine i do like to journal a lot um so like i said it really just depends on where I'm at and what I'm, what I'm craving, like what would I feel I need that'll determine what actions I'm taking to better myself. But there's always something I'm doing. What's like the last book you read that like really like hit home with you? Like that you were, you listened to in your car? Uh, I just, I recently listened to uh, Marie Forleo, Everything is Figure Outable. Oh yeah. It's so crazy because her and I share so many, like it was almost like listening to a book I would have written myself. Like she's like my favorite quote that I've had since I was like 
in high school was life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. And she like literally like reads the passage in the book. And I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) I always tell people like remove the word can't from your vocabulary. You know, it's not that you can't do something. It's that, you know, you either make time or you don't, you do or you don't want to. Um, And she goes into a whole thing on that. So that book was really like, it was just a fun read for me because it it was so many things um, that I really believe and that I preach as well. But it was, it was interesting to listen to it through the eyes of somebody else who feels the same way. So that was a good one. Yeah. And it's so true. Like you either have a solution or you have an excuse. Like, I mean, unfortunately, like it's just a matter of fact, like you either have a a reason why you're getting something done or you have a reason why you're not. And yeah, I actually saw her speak. Um, I was at the rise business, like the Rachel and Dave Hollis um, event a few months ago and she was there and it's like that message though, everybody needs to hear it because if you, most people, when there's a problem, we focus 99% of our energy on the problem and we like infatuate about it and it just becomes this big thing and we don't put any effort in like, well, what can we do about it? Like, what can we control? Right. We yeah, focus on the, what's on my side. yeah, what's well, like, how can we, how can we manage it? So, and I think it goes back to just the mindset and like how you, how you like embrace, you know, change and things you go through. So I know you've been involved in a lot of professions, including dancing, acting, obviously fitness and nutrition, like obviously fitness competitions, which by the way, I I trained for one and I quit like halfway through my physique training. So I know how grueling that can be. So kudos to you. Which one taught you the most lessons and why you think? Oh man. I mean, they've all taught me different lessons. I mean, I guess probably, you know, my fitness career has it's been the longest and it's taught me the most I would say this I would say dancing growing up definitely taught me a lot it taught me self-discipline it taught me um perseverance it taught me to have thick skin like that was something my teachers always were telling us like look if you want to be a professional dancer you better get real used to rejection because chances are you're going to be rejected way more than you ever get picked so even at 13 and 14, like when that positive role model said that to me, basically they said, it's okay to be rejected. Like learn to accept it. It's a part of life. I was like, Oh, all right. It's just a part of life. Like I don't take it personal. Yes. We all get our like, you know, disappointed when you get rejected, but I don't take it personal if I don't get picked for something and just like, all right, cool, whatever, moving on. Um, you know, it is what it is. Like, And yes, it can get frustrating when you really want it. But so dance taught me a lot of those lessons um, that prepared me for my fitness career. Being in this industry, being in this career, now that I've been with, um, you know, I've been 15 years as a trainer. I've been with Beachbody for almost seven. You know, there's been a lot of different life lessons. And even just being in a different phase in my life um, where... I am doing well for myself and, and people do assume certain things about you and how to deal with haters and people being negative. And, um, there's a lot of that. Yeah. And you know, I'll say this. It's one thing when you're on the climb, when you're on the rise, right? Everybody's on your side, you're on the rise, but when you're on the top, you have a target on your back. Yeah. Everything's gunning for you. And it, and, and that's, you know, you can't, again, you can't take that personal either. Everybody wants the top spot. So if you're like, oh my God, somebody's doing better than me. This sucks. Like all of it, all of it teach again, it's, it's mindset. It's, there's enough to go around. We're all here to help people. Like, um, 
everything I've gone through has taught me, like you said, how to be empathetic to people and, and to coach in a positive manner and to share my ups and my downs because it's all a part of it. And I think people are more inspired when you share your downs and how you've overcome them than when you just say, look how great it is. Look how great it is. Look how easy it is. Like that's so, yeah, I think, I think dance and fitness have both pretty equally been my biggest teachers. Yeah. And I think you, you, you said something that I preach a lot too is like, I mean, that's amazing. Like those things that, that they've taught you. And I think that what you said was, um, how we always put like our ups on our, on, and our highlight reels on social media. And we don't share like the nitty gritty and the climb and how dirty it gets and how we struggle because like most people, if they, especially if they're trainers, their clients aren't the people who are like super fit drinking, like smoothies and like going on five mile runs and doing like you know crazy beach body workouts like continue like th- those aren't the clientele people are trying to attract because you're trying to attract the people the person who's like 30 pounds overweight or going through a deep depression maybe going through a divorce that like th- then they can like you can resonate with them and they can feel like they're understood and they're heard versus like oh man now i'm even more scared why do i want to like i don't know if that person will understand me they're drinking like kale you know at, at thanksgiving like right. you know <laughs> so what um what advice do you think you would give like the young autumn so like say like you're like you know 10 11 12 years old and you know you're you're kind of going through stuff like what what would you say looking back that you think would resonate with her uh you know i i feel like i would i would say what i think i already inherently knew which was don't give up don't give up. If you want it, don't give up. If you want it, you can have your dreams, but you're going to have to be persistent. Um, like there's a lot that will come at you. There's a lot that won't be yours. That's okay. Uh, we, I think we get stuck so often when we, when we have a, a failure or, a, or we get rejected that we let that discourage us from continuing to pursue our dream because if somebody rejected us it must mean i'm not good enough and it's not the case at all and like i said that's why i refer to things as redirects because there's so many things in my life that i wanted so bad that like just crushed me when i didn't get them that had i let that crush keep me down but i let that blow keep me down i would have never ended up where i am right now and where I am right now is exactly where I didn't know I wanted to be, right? Like, you don't know. You don't know what the future holds. So while you can feel horrible about not getting that one opportunity, you don't know what better opportunity lies ahead of you. And it sometimes takes years to find that out. You have to be patient. Like, I was up to replace Jillian Michaels on The Biggest Loser three different times. One of them, it came down to me and Anna Kornikova. I mean, I auditioned for that for four months and I, you know, I got the call from the casting director and she said, it's down to you and one other person. They'll announce it on Monday. If you don't get it, you'll understand why. I didn't know what that meant until they announced that it was Anna Kornikova. And I was like, okay, they went with a celebrity, but that crushed me. I was so devastated. I thought like biggest loser, like that is, that's the win. And for, it wouldn't have been the win for me. Nobody has been able to step into Jillian Michaels' shoes on that show and do what Jillian did or be recognized the way Jillian was. So it would have actually probably limited me. Whereas 
three years later, Beachbody came calling and who knows, maybe had I been on Biggest Loser, I wouldn't have been available or I wouldn't have worked on my, changed my product, like, cause I would have been busy on Biggest Loser. So I had no way of knowing that Beachbody was waiting for me, but thank God Beachbody was waiting for me. Like, this yeah. And it's like every opportunity or the, every rejection leads to a new opportunity. Every door that closes, another one opens. And it sounds cliche, but if you, it's like literally true. And I know like, I don't know if you listen to country music. I mean, but Garth, Garth Brooks has this song called unanswered prayers yes, and he talks, fun. have you heard that song? Oh, yeah. And he talks about how he like, you know, was in love with his, you know, the homecoming queen, all that stuff and how he prayed that they would get married, all this stuff. And then as he looks back on his life, he's thankful that it didn't happen. And it's like, there's so many times like that in our life where we have these prayers, like, oh, like you said, like, I pray I get on The Biggest Loser and I'm with Bob Harper and we're doing this and that. And now you're like, crap, if I'd done that, like, who, where would I have gone? I mean, I, I remember interviewing, I interviewed Dolvet um, Quince not too long ago too. And we were talking about his journey on The Biggest Loser and, and then his transition out of that. And it's like, you don't know when you're, you don't know what you're, where you're going to go after that. And, yeah. and now you, now you're with Beachbody and you've done all these amazing things, created these amazing programs. Like, and I think people, they just, it's about forgiveness too. When you're going through hard times, like for not only forgiving other people, forgiving yourself for maybe taking a chance and not succeeding. Maybe it's, you know, a relationship or it was a fitness program that maybe they didn't like or a job. What is one thing you've kind of forgiven yourself for that's led to an area of growth for you? You know, when you asked about struggles, I mean, I could list a million struggles that I've had. And recently, I mean, it's been, it was a year this December that uh, my brother and I closed our restaurant that we spent a year working to open here in Los Angeles. And the restaurant was barely open. It wasn't even open for a month, but we, my brother's a chef. He's the co-host of my cooking show. He's a He's phenomenal at what he does. We found a location. We were really excited about it. Uh, it wasn't going to require much work to get it open. And no sooner did we sign the lease, the city started being insanely difficult. And I was the sole investor in the restaurant. My brother was the chef, but I was the investor. And, um, you know, problem after problem, I kept saying, like, maybe we should back out. Maybe we should back out. Like, this is not like, this is not looking right. This is not looking good. And we kept pushing through. Um, there was a huge part of me that kept pushing through because I knew how important it was to my brother, despite sort of knowing in the back of my mind, like we should bail, like this is not going to end well for us. It's, it's not looking good. And we ended up pushing through opening the doors, even when we shouldn't have, and just running into that many more problems with the city. Um, we also got hit by the the Woosley fires. So we were supposed to open the restaurant three weeks earlier, two days before we were supposed to open the Woosley fires broke out. I mean, they burned right up to the restaurant. Like we're lucky they didn't burn the place down. And finally, two weeks before Christmas, I called my brother and I said, I'm, I'm pulling the plug. Like I'm the investor. It's my money. I've lost an insane amount. We're done. And, um, my brother was needless to say, not happy with me <laughs> at all. And, uh, there was a lot of blame that was put on me for the restaurant when it really wasn't about me. It wasn't about me or my brother. It was just about unfortunate circumstances of dealing with city. And, um, so I've really had to forgive myself for letting, letting it go that far and letting, um, 
uh, sort of letting emotion play into it. So that's, it's been a big thing for me. And my brother and I are in a very great place again. Like it's no hard feelings anymore, but, but I put a lot of the blame on myself. Like, should I have invested more? Should I have kept it going? Like, um, is it my fault? We're not open. Uh, and I, so I had to really let that go and, and just recognize like, it wasn't my fault. There was nothing I can do about it. Like I, I did everything I possibly could. Those circumstances were stacked against us. So I think that's a big one that has allowed me to once again, look at it and say, there's a redirect in there somewhere. I don't know what it is yet. It hasn't come to light, but it's in there somewhere. We weren't supposed to be in that spot. So yeah, I'm sure it'll come in. It's like, it's like, that's a hard thing, you know, opening a, a business with your brother and you have a cooking show together. There's a lot of, you know, things that could be crossed in there. And just like, it's like, it's like so hard, I think, to forgive yourself. And I think a lot of people, they focus so much on putting the energy and like, oh, this person wronged me or that thing wronged me. They, they, they can't like look in the mirror and be like, you know, like, I'm sorry, I, I forgive myself for trying. And I, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to succeed. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to achieve anything. It just means like, just wasn't meant to be. And yeah. so the one thing on this show, this is the, the last thing I'll ask you is, you know, it's called the adversity advantage where we help people use adversity to become their best self. And I want you to kind of imagine maybe it's your son, Dominic, or someone dearly to you that's going through a really dark time. They're in the depths of despair. They're hopeless. They're fearful. They're out of touch with who they are. What would you say to them? Like, and what kind of things would you have them do? There's something my ex-husband and I always tell our son, um, because he has a tendency to get discouraged quickly. He's actually really good at sports, but he can get discouraged really quickly. And we always tell him the same thing. Dominic, there's greatness inside you. You just have to recognize it. Like you have to believe it. There's greatness inside you, but you have to get back up. So he's really big into skateboarding. He'll be trying a trick and you know, he'll fall. He'll, he'll take a, a board to the shin. Um, and he'll get, he'll get mad and he'll walk away pouting. Ah, and we'll always stop him in his tracks. And we're like, no, no, that's not how you go out. Go do it again. Like you can't, you can't leave the situation pissed off. Like we don't let him do that. So we tell him there's greatness inside of you. Like go back and finish it on a positive note. Try it once more. Even if you don't land it once more, maybe you get a little bit closer, but like take a deep breath, regroup and try again. That's a big thing that we always say. Take a deep breath, regroup, try again, because like I said, it's not about, again, it, it, there are all these cliche sayings, but I don't really even know why they're cliche. They're so true. It doesn't matter how many times you get knocked down. It matters whether or not you get back up. Like it's not over till it's over. So don't sit on the ground. Don't wallow in it. Just get up and take it one little baby step. That's all you have to do. You don't have to solve the whole problem at one time. You have to take it one little baby step at a time. Um, there's a movie, Stand and Deliver, old movie, great movie. It's about a math teacher uh, who was teaching kids AP calculus. And he said to them, you know, you take it one problem at a time, step by step. That's all you do. You don't have to solve the whole thing at once. You have to solve the first problem before you can solve the whole big problem. So I just think that that's, that's the biggest mindset shift that everybody needs to make is step by step, little by little, get back up, do it again. Doesn't matter if you've, if you didn't work that time, get up and do it again. The only way you actually fail is if you give up. 
you're so right. And it's so true because I think a lot of times people make their problems worse by just wallowing in it. And you end up like having a bad day, turn into a bad week and a bad week into a bad month. And you look back and you're like, wow, I had like a bad Tuesday and it's just like completely deteriorated my life. Right. It's like, yeah. where did it, like, where did it go? And they're not like, I mean, they are cliche, but they are, you're right. They're true. Because I always say like, imagine like you were in a, you were like outside and some guy walked up to you or a girl, whoever, and just started punching you in the face and just beating the crap out of you. Would you just sit there and like, just let that person like beat the living crap out of you? Like, no. Right. But we do that with life. Like we let life sometimes just completely just beat us up and beat us up and take sucker punches and we don't fight back. We, we, we don't, we give up. Right. And so I think like your perspective on that is spot on. Like we all have greatness inside of us to do anything, whatever we're intended to in this life, but it's on us to look in the mirror and have the audacity and the courage and almost give it that like that look of like, you know, like F you life. Like I'm not going to let you bring me down anymore. I'm going to get after it. I'm going to be, I'm going to be that feisty Italian. I'm going to be that go getter, whatever you call yourself and just get shit done. And so um, I appreciate you hopping on here. I mean, you gave so much knowledge and insight and what I really like, it really fascinates me about your story is that you are not just like a trainer. You're um, super passionate about your son too. And I think that means a lot, especially somebody who, um, you know, my parents were divorced. I'm down here. My mom got remarried. So I can, I appreciate the whole single mom thing. Right. And um, just watching how you are with your son, how you've taken him like, you know, Disney world and you, you, you do that because I know how much it meant means to you with everything that happened with your mom and how you're like, screw you. I'm taking my kid. I'm taking control of him. He's mine. Like I'm not going to leave him. And it's just, it's just amazing to see what you've created through everything. Thank you. Thank you. That's my little little dude. That's my buddy. Yeah. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the adversity advantage. We had autumn Calabrese, um, again, tons of insights. Not only has she like revolutionized the fitness industry with her programs, including the 21 day fix, um, fixate country heat, um, 80 day obsession. Like she's also just a, a great person, a go getter and an amazing mom. So I look forward to hearing what you guys think of this episode. And once again, I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and I'll chat with you soon. Thanks again.